1 Samuel 25. Samuel died, and all Israel gathered themselves together and mourned for him and buried him at his house in Ramah. Then David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. There was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel, and the man was very great. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. And the woman was intelligent and had a beautiful face. But the man was surly and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. David sent ten young men, and David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. Tell him, Long life to you, peace be to you, peace be to your house, peace be to all that you have. Now I have heard that you have shearers, your shepherds have now been with us, and we didn't harm them. Nothing was missing from them all the time they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore let the young men find favour in your eyes, for we come on a good day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servants and to your son, David. When David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal all those words in the name of David and waited. Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants who break away from their masters these days. Shall I then take my bread, my water, and my meat that I have killed for my shearers and give it to men who I don't know where they come from? So David's young men turned on their way and went back and came and told him all these words. David said to his men, <laughs> Every man, put on your sword. Every man, put on his sword. David also put on his sword. About 400 men followed David and 200 men stayed with the baggage. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to greet our master, and he insulted them. But the men were very good to us and we were not harmed. And we didn't miss anything as long as we went with them when we were in the fields. They were a wall to us both night and by day, all the while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now therefore know and consider what you will do, for evil is determined against our master and against all his house, for he is such a worthless fellow that one cannot speak to him. Then Abigail hurried and took 200 loaves of bread, two containers of wine, five sheep ready-dressed, five sears of parched grain, 100 clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of figs, and laid them on donkeys. She said to her young men, Go on before me. Behold, I am coming after you. But she didn't tell her husband, Nabal. As she rode on her donkey and came down hidden by the mountain, behold, David and his men came down toward her and she met them. Now, David had said, Surely in vain, I have kept all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertained to him. He has returned me evil for good. God, do so to the enemies of David, and more also, if I leave of all that belongs to him by the morning light, so much as one who urinates on a wall. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and got off her donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, On me, my lord, on me be the blame. Please let your servant speak in your ears. Hear the words of your servant. Please don't let my lord pay attention to this worthless fellow Nabal, 
For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your servant, didn't see my Lord's young men whom you sent. Now therefore, my Lord, as Yahweh lives, and as your soul lives, since Yahweh has withheld you from blood guilt, and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now therefore let your enemies and those who seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal. Now this present, which your servant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your servant, for Yahweh will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord fights Yahweh's battles. Evil will not be found in you all your days. Though men may rise up to pursue you and to seek your soul, yet the soul of my Lord will be bound in the bundle of life with Yahweh your God. He will sling out the souls of your enemies as from the hollow of a sling. It will come to pass when Yahweh has done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince over Israel that this shall be no grief to you nor offence of heart to my Lord either that you have shed blood without cause or that my Lord has avenged himself when Yahweh has dealt with my Lord then remember your servant. David said to Abigail, Blessed is Yahweh, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. Blessed is your discretion, and blessed are you who have kept me today from blood guilt and from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed, as Yahweh, the God of Israel, lives, who has withheld me from harming you. Unless you had hurried and come to meet me, surely there wouldn't have been left in Nabal by the morning light so much as one who urinates on a wall. So David received from her hand that which she had brought him. Then he said to her, Go up in peace to your house. Behold, I have listened to your voice and have granted your request. Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he held a feast in his house like the feast of a king. Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. Then she told him nothing until the morning light. In the morning when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wine told him these things, and his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. About ten days later, Yahweh struck Nabal so that he died. <clears throat> when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed is Yahweh, who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal, and has kept back his servant from evil. Yahweh has returned the evil doing of Nabal on his own head. David sent and spoke concerning Abigail to take her to himself as wife. When David's servants had come to Abigail to Carmel, they spoke to her, saying, David has sent us to you to take you to him as wife. She arose, bowed herself with her face to the earth, and said, Behold, your servant is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. Abigail hurried and arose and rode on a donkey with five ladies of hers who followed her, and she went after the messengers of David and became his wife. David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel, and they both became his wives. Now Saul had given Michael, his daughter, David's wife, to Palti, the son of Laish, who was of Gorlim. This chapter starts with Samuel dying. Now the book of Samuel, which is really both books of Samuel, because if you think about it, it was, it was broken in half because of the fact it was so big and it couldn't be on one scroll, but it was really one book. It's, um, 
It's written by Samuel, but there comes a point where Samuel dies. Samuel obviously doesn't write all the things after his death and probably doesn't write a few of the things before his death too. But they, they are written by Gad and Nathan the prophet. So everything we're reading from this point on is definitely not written by Samuel, Gad and Nathan. Now David goes into the desert of Paran and there he meets Nabal and Abigail. Now Nabal, I guess it's a nickname because it means a fool. And I doubt very much that anyone would have named their son Fool. So I guess it's a name he picked up as he went along, although we're not completely sure about that. <laughs> but Abigail, the Bible says, was a beautiful woman. And I thought that was an interesting comment. And I looked, and as far as I can tell, there are about 10 people that the Bible says were beautiful women. There are a lot of women in the Bible, um, but there are 10 that are described as beautiful. And here they are, Sarah. Rebecca, Rachel, Tamar, another Tamar, two Tamars, Abigail, the one we just mentioned, Bathsheba, Abishag the Shunammite, Vashti the queen of Persia, Esther became the queen of Persia, and the three daughters of Job, which said there was none more beautiful than them in the land. So how many is that? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 10 plus Job's three daughters. 13. There are 13 women in the Bible that we know of, that I know of, that are described as beautiful. Now Abigail, obviously a godly woman and a smart woman, was married to Nabal, an ungodly man and a fool. Now, um, as far as the history of Christianity goes, there have always been more women believers than men. Women have always been more faithful to the Lord They've always been more open-hearted to the Lord. They've always been um, more willing to serve, more willing to obey. This was true in the early church, and it's true in many places. Now, in South America, for example, right now, you've got some of the world's biggest churches, and so many of the cell group leaders, the vast majority of them are all women. Um, now, of course, their men are working, but the women are so faithful. Um, most churches in the world have more women than men in it. It's It's... It's the way that it has historically been. And we ought to pray that it doesn't remain like that. We ought to pray that men rise to take the place. But that is often how it's been. And a great portion of women, there are many women in churches who are married to unbelievers. The Lord does work miracles and we need to, to pray for it and believe it. Now, Abigail is someone that was in this position. She was someone who, who had to think on her feet. She had to be wise and thoughtful. She's She's so wise in so many ways and a great example. Now, if you, are if you find yourself in that position of being married to an unbeliever, hopefully your husband isn't a fool like Nabal was, but you may be married to someone who just doesn't know the Lord. There's instructions for this in 1 Peter chapter 3 in the New Testament, and you can go and read those. But essentially what the Lord calls you to do is to be faithful to him, to be faithful and loving towards your earthly husband, with the goal that you may win him to Christ. And in doing so, you will win for yourself a crown of righteousness. And I suspect that Abigail is someone in the Bible that won for herself a crown of righteousness. Now, in this story, it was shearing time. Nabal had a lot of sheep. And this was, you know, shearing time, harvest time. There were certain times in the year when that's when all the wealth is coming in. And that's usually a time of generosity all the people that, that helped you, like the shearers, for example, would get given gifts and 
Now David is actually someone who helped Nabal and because he provided protection to him. But Nabal didn't appreciate it. Now, some people said this was a protection racket. It's, it's not a protection racket, it's nothing like it. David wasn't just hanging out with Nabal saying, I'll keep you safe, but then going to kill him if, if Nabal didn't, you know, like with the mafia, for example. I haven't seen any of those, those Godfather movies. I don't watch lots and lots of movies. But in the mafia, the people who are providing the protection are the people who will hurt you if you don't pay them money. So you're basically paying for them to not hurt you. That's not what was going on here. Um, these people face real threat from the Philistines and from other people, and David was actually protecting them. So when it came time for you know, harvest, and when it came time for generosity, David should have been blessed because he'd done a lot for this guy. And that's why the minute that Abigail heard of it, you know, she was so quick. She was so quick on her feet and astute and aware and wise and discerning to quickly jump in and sort this out. There wasn't a protection racket. It was genuine protection. And in the ancient world, raiding and, you know, clashing and, and clans attacking each other, all these things were so commonplace. We, we've gotten used to a world where people are safe and it's just not anything like what the world used to be like. It's normal for us now, but it was not normal back then. People used to live, you know, you'd raid, when, you'd give, when you'd give birth to a boy, you'd be so grateful to have a boy and you'd teach him how to fight. From a young age, boys would learn, learn how to fight because the life was a warfare-oriented life. Even in recent times, in places like Papua New Guinea and the Solomon Islands and the Pacific tribes and South America in the jungles, people in all those cultures grew up learning to fight. It's only when the gospel came into, say, the jungles of Papua New Guinea or in the Solomon Islands where people laid down their weapons and picked up the word of God and they had peace. So now there's peace, now it's normal, but you've only got to go back 50 or 80 years in some of these countries and people were killing and eating each other. And this is, was always the way in the world when there wasn't the gospel. And so David is there because he's there, there's peace. There's peace because he's there. He brings peace. And so um, Abigail makes a very wise effort to step in on her behalf. Now, I just want to comment on one point. When Abigail steps in, she says to him that you are one who fights the Lord's battles. And David really was. This wasn't just a generic thing where because he was leading the army and, you know, it was the Lord's, you know, there was a point where he was working for Saul and he was like leader of the army. So in theory, you could say, well, Israel is God's country and so he's fighting God's battles. That's kind of a correct way of saying it. But no, David actually cared about the Lord and he fought for the Lord. So the David and Goliath story is a perfect example. Everyone is so afraid, but David says, is there not a cause? Can you hear what this uncircumcised Philistine is saying, how he's defying God. So he actually fought, not just physically fighting for the Lord, but he fought for what mattered to God. So when Abigail said that he was one who fought Yahweh's battles, he really was. He was someone who stood up for God because the things of the Lord mattered to him. And that's a great point. And so the question must be asked, are you someone that fights the Lord's battles? Do the things of the Lord matter to you so much so that you will do something about it? And so there's things you can do. 
So when you hear stories of things that are not right, get down on your knees. That is, is one of the main ways you can fight the Lord's battles. You can say, Lord, it's not right that things are like this in my nation. Lord, it's not right that this is happening. You can fight the Lord's battles. And when you, when you let the things that matter to God matter to you and you take up those causes, now you are someone like David who has a heart after God. So let us be people who fight the Lord's battles. So Father, I want to thank you for this, this chapter. Lord, I find that some of these stories are so culturally removed from us in time and place that they're just hard to relate to. But Lord, we can relate to the idea of fighting your battles. And I ask you to help us to be people that care about what matters to you. Give us such grace, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.